0: This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 343 Podcast. On this episode, I am joined by Joey Cassio, and initially we wanted to break down the most recent Clásico between Barcelona and Real Madrid, but we decided to go in a different direction, and instead we decided to talk about some of the fundamental concepts or fundamental skills that were on full display throughout the entire game, and we decided to break down different moments and talk about those so that way you can understand a little bit more about those moments. Or maybe if you already understand those moments, you can share this podcast with somebody else that can learn more about those moments. And and you can then be armed with more information when you watch a game or when you're watching your kid's game on on Saturdays and Sundays or when you're sitting with your kid on the couch and watching a game like uh, Barcelona-Real Madrid or Liverpool-Man City or something like that. Um or if you're a coach, of course, you know you can use this information while you're coaching your teams when you're when you're reviewing your game film or when you're scouting the team or things like that. So we wanted to use some of these little moments to highlight some of these fundamental skills and and some of the things that we focused on were receiving the ball across your body, checking your shoulders, losing your man, and and just some other things like that. So we spent about 30 minutes talking about those specific aspects of soccer and then we use some of the examples from Barcelona versus Real Madrid to bring those to life. I've also provided some video examples and some uh, photo examples in the write-up of this podcast that is available on 343coaching.com so that way if you want to kind of get orientated and see exactly what we were talking about you can do that by visiting the write-up. And if you want to continue learning from 343, we offer different ways to do that as well. Of course, we have over 200 written articles, over 200 podcasts now. We also offer a free seven-week course that goes deep into these topics that we are going to touch on today. That costs you nothing but your email address and your time if you want to learn more about these topics. I'd say that's a very good place for a lot of people to start. And then if you're Already, If you already know that you want to take your learning to the next level, of course, you can sign up for the 343 Premium Membership, which is an incredible deep dive into these topics that we've already touched on, plus more. And you get video lessons, you get real practices, you get real games, you get audio lessons, ebooks, and then you also get member forums. You can interact with other coaches that are going through the course and are on the same journey that are like-minded and it's just, a, a, that f- member forum is like a gold mine. There's so much stuff that's already in there from you know the moment that the course opened and then from everybody, from the thousands of coaches that, is joy- that have joined along the way. So that is like a treasure chest in itself. But yeah, if you want to continue your learning, there's multiple options on 343coaching.com. So feel free to check that stuff out. Uh, for now, just sit back, enjoy. And of course, leave us your feedback. If you, if you want to, you can find Joey on Twitter at Casio underscore FG. You can find me on Twitter at that Croatian guy. And of course you can always leave comments on the website, 343coaching.com. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I'm going to to repeat what I just said then. So that way it's on record. Um, yeah, the reason, the reason why I want to do something like this that we're about to talk about is so people can get an idea of what they should be watching for and the standard that they should be holding, uh, you know, different, different players and, and everybody too. And, you know, we're not going to pick apart a game like Real Madrid or versus Barcelona in the way that we would pick apart, U S men's national team versus Cuba, because in all actuality, like in our fan base, who really cares about picking apart, you know, Griezmann or Suarez or, or Messi or like, that doesn't really mean anything to, to our, to our fan base. But if they want to understand like why these guys are the best and why they are playing at the level that they're playing at and things like that, then it's these little things that we're about to talk about that they really, really, really need to try to understand in order to, um, yeah, get an idea of why U.S. men's national team players are where they are, you know, whether that's in playing in Germany or playing in England or playing in Major League Soccer or or whatnot, but I feel like it, it's important to look at some of maybe like the little things and start to get a better understanding of those little things to to get a better understanding of the entire landscape. So, yeah, uh, Joey Cassio, welcome. <laughs>
1: What's up, John?
0: <laughs> All right, so we're gonna use uh, Real Madrid versus Barcelona. I guess I should say it the other way around, according uh, to home and away. So Barcelona versus Real Madrid to to kind of get a get some talking points across. Um, and I guess let's just start out with some of your just general reactions to uh, to the game. What did, what did you see? What what did you have your eye on, or what? caught your attention. I always like asking people like what made your pen move? So like what made you kind of take notes or, or what made your eyes light up? So some, some general thoughts first.
1: No, oh, yeah. It, individual quality, obviously very good on both sides. And we'll, we'll get into that kind of stuff. Um has been catching my eye more so of late. Uh, he's a very, his qualities are rare. You don't see it a lot in, in goalkeeping. And he's he's probably setting a new standard for goalkeeping the way that he that he plays the game. And we'll get into that more. So he caught my attention. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really the two major things. Just the individual little details and then the goalkeeping other than that. Uh, the game overall, not what we're used to in a Classico, zero, 0-0. Zero, uh, but still, a lot of incredible moments throughout the game even though there were no goals
0: tell, tell me more about Ter Stegen and what catches your eye what What about him uh, is making you think that he's setting the new standard for goalkeeping
1: the guy's a playmaker from the deepest position in the field um, he tried to do it uh, throughout the game in the in the classical but going back a couple of matches against Mallorca he had an assist for, for Greaseman and same situation in that match as you saw here in in the Clásico. Like, ball goes out for a goal kick, for example, and immediately it's like the ball boy behind the goal knows get Ter Stegen the ball right away. Ter Stegen gets the ball, he kind of like he tosses it out with some backspin, so he can just toss it. It the ball stops, and then he's immediately trying to look to launch a counter attack, whether it's to Suarez or 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 to Griezmann. So um, he always does that, and then there were also some moments. Uh, he would be on the ball and most goalkeepers are looking maybe to play the ball to a center back or maybe playing the ball to the six, but he's always looking further up the field first. You know, his priority to go as far up the field as possible instead of just giving the ball to one of the center backs or, or the six to start building up. So yeah, he's a playmaker from deep and you just, that's very rare in, in world football. You just don't see it a lot.
0: Yeah, I highlighted a moment on Twitter and it's like the around minute 340 where after a very long sequence of possession, it, the ball ends up at Ter Stegen's feet inside his penalty area. And he just chills with it for four or five seconds, maybe kind of just like surveying whatever whatever is out there. And Suarez just just nonchalantly just walking towards midfield like no big deal but these guys like just telepathically probably speaking to each other. It's so so weird how it how it played out. But Suarez takes one step like he's he's gonna start running in behind the defense and then and then all of a sudden just jets back into his own half and and Stegen just plays a freaking daisy cutter right to his feet and and that launched uh that launched an attack like three, four passes later. It ended up being Alba crossing the ball across to uh to suarez or yeah to suarez again yeah in the in the penalty area and it's just like but it came from started from uh terstegen which was was quite quite amazing and he yeah like you like you point out multiple times started started attacks you know by not playing his outside backs not playing his his center backs he you know, He bypassed everybody multiple times. Played Suarez, Messi, played Griezmann. It was pretty impressive. Um, is is there anything specific about like the the technique or anything that he uses to strike the ball that is different? The, the, does anything stand out to you in in that regard?
1: Yeah, I mean the the way that he hits his long range passes, like like you talked about the ball to Suarez. It looked like that might have been maybe a, a rehearsed strategy for this game because it happened a few times at, at least in the first half where Suarez is just chilling he changes his speed comes into the middle and Ter Stegen just hits a cannon right at him and yeah it's a, it's a he kind of it's hard to explain the technique but he kind of just kind of punches at the ball so it it stays low and it's just Real quick, man, it gets to Suarez as quick as possible. And then Suarez, it looked like maybe he was trying to lay off to one of the attacking mids. And that was one of maybe the rehearsed ways that they were uh, prepared to get out of their own half and, and start an attack. But yeah, the the technique, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's not like he winds up all big and, and he shows Real Madrid what he's trying to do. There's a little bit of disguise to it. And it's a it's a compact technique, and he just punches at the ball, and it it's off his foot quick, man, and stays low and driven.
0: Yeah, I think one of the tells for goalkeepers is is you know they'll put the bar they'll, they'll put the ball like five, six, seven yards in front of them, and and a lot of times like a, a defending team will just give the goalkeeper the space in order to do that. But in this instance, the the especially the play that I'm talking about right now, like there's a defender within 10 yards of, of Ter Stegen and, and the balls within one yard of, of, of him. And so he didn't have like that big wind up like that big tell usually that goalkeepers have where, you know, they, they're showing you that it's going to go long. This, you didn't know, you, you had no idea what he was going to do next, which is pretty crazy. And, and, yeah, I I don't know very many goalkeepers that that do that, but I also don't know very many teams that would press a guy like Ter Stegen, like like Real Madrid did the way they had their their defensive shape set up at that moment. I don't know how many teams would, you know, have the balls to do that to a keeper like Ter Stegen. So that's that's another kind of caveat to that, I guess. Um,
1: yeah, how how many goalkeepers in America do you see that that can hit that pass that we were talking about, like Ter Stegen, that low driven pass? Here, a lot of the time, we just see keepers launch it up into the air where it's just like floating up there forever and ever and ever, giving the defenders the opportunity to get set and get ready to challenge for the ball in the air. And that's part of why Ter has that technique because it doesn't really give the defenders a lot of time to read what's going on and adjust to it and try to close Suarez down. Yeah, it's very rare here, man.
0: One other thing that I that I noticed in a couple of different moments so there's this moment that we that I just highlighted a second ago like around minute 340 and there's another moment in the first half when the ball was played from Ter Stegen to Griezmann and and both of them not only seemed to catch Real Madrid off guard but I pay attention to this cuz I'm a referee it seemed to catch the referee off guard because the refer, the referee was standing in the middle of the field and it was actually in, in, in the way he ended up being in the way of the play. And, and the reason why that kind of caught me off guard or, or caught my attention is because I know how much these referees at the highest level, they go in, into, you know, extreme detail when they're studying these games to figure out how the teams are going to play in order to figure out where they should set up. And so the referee multiple times chose the wrong place to set up, which kind of leads me to believe that this is not a regular thing for barca to do because the referees also didn't figure it out so that's just like another weird thing that people might not pick up on if if, uh you know especially if they're not referees but especially if they've never kind of gone through like the high level preparation of what a referee might go through for a game like this not saying that i have but i just know some of the stuff that they go through um but multiple times you can actually watch both both the examples that i highlighted you know the referees in the, in the wrong spot both times and, and it almost in the exact same spot both times which is just pretty interesting to me um yeah anything anything else about the the goalkeeping or, or you know <laughs> what's what do people call them deep line playmaking uh, or playmakers uh, yeah. any, anything else about Ter Stegen that kind of jumped out at you
1: no i think we covered it
0: all right um, what what else um, throughout the game kind of kind of jumped out at you you mentioned individual quality so was, were this was there anything from from a player on on either team that was just like above and beyond for you
1: yeah one thing that i noticed throughout the game uh clement long we talk about receiving across the body and this this I thought was beautiful. His technique when he receives across his body and he's left footed. So when he receives across his body on his left foot, he wants the ball to be back on his left foot for when he passes the ball. So the way that, you know, the pass is coming, it's coming across his body. He receives it with his left and he just takes enough of the pace off so that the ball sort of continues onto his left foot. So then he's able to make a pass with his left foot with his next touch. The technique there, very subtle, but it's to me, it's it's a beautiful thing. I don't I don't know if you uh, noticed that as well. And some other some of the other players do it as well, but he seemed to do it a lot. Every time Tristegan would play him a ball, or every time PK would play him a ball uh, from the opposite side, you could see
0: that technique. So if I'm, if I'm imagining this correctly, it's, it's almost like he kind of like drags the ball across his body as he's receiving it. Not, not, and, and I don't mean drags is like he puts his foot on top of the ball and then has his cleats on top of the ball and then dragging it like that, but he's kind of just like caressing the ball across his body. Is that, is that kind of yeah. how, how, how you're describing it? Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay. Yeah. Because there, there's this. There's that and I, and I do notice that about him specifically and then there's something else that Frankie DeYoung does that I feel like is super is super um, unique and it's kind of how he when he's about to receive the ball across his body how he kind of like sits. And like he, he, he kind of bends his knees and he makes it. So like, you don't know what he's going to do next. Like he could, you know, he could run straight at the ball and like pounce at the ball and then go back the direction that it, that it went. Or he's kind of like, I'm doing it in my room right now. I'm just moving my feet. It's so funny. Uh, uh, Or he he kind of just like sits and then lets the ball come, come across his body, but his knees are like bent. But the way that he is, it's like, he's almost like he's getting ready to sit into a chair. And then it freezes the defender. It's so it's so unique to me. But yeah, so I, I did notice that about Longley, and also noticed that kind of just distinct way that Frankie Dion kind of does that um, higher up the field in, in in kind of attacking positions. I think yeah. So those those two things. But both both of the times um, are, are, are both guys are are using that to receive the ball across their body more often than not. So
1: yeah, here. It- when i watch games the youth games here in america what you'll see instead is is you'll see a player let's say it's the left center back like Longley, lay they'll receive it across the body but they'll stop it yeah then they'll have to take a second touch to get the ball into the left foot yeah. and then the third touch will be the pass yeah but at this level when you're under massive amounts of pressure that's not going to cut it it's probably going to lead to a turnover so the technique that Longley uses is what you have to be able to do to be able to play under massive amounts of pressure. So just a small little thing there that could be the difference.
0: And one thing that I noticed recently too, not recently, but, but um, I wanted to point out recently is a better way to put it is the effort that a lot of these guys will go through to receive the ball across their body. And then specifically, yeah, like long lay, he, he will go through extra effort to receive the ball across his body to make sure that he can make a pass with his second touch. So even if the pass, like, isn't a perfect pass, like right to his left foot, he'll still arrange his body in a way or, or do whatever is necessary to get himself in a position to receive it the way that he wants to receive it. So that way he can make the pass with his next touch. Which I feel like is very, very important for people to see because, or or to understand because, like you pointed out, you know, if you're having to take two, three, four touches, five touches sometimes before you can make your next pass, well, you know, number one, your next pass probably isn't on. Number two, you're inviting a defender to come closer and closer to you every touch that you take. Uh, you're wasting more and more time. So you know, there's all kinds of of you know terrible things that. That can happen as you as you take more and more touches, but putting in the extra effort like Longley does time and time again to receive it across his body, I think is very very important to highlight. And then another thing that's very important to highlight is you can pretty much pick out any sequence in this game when either team Real Madrid or Barcelona decides that they want to keep possession of the ball, and you know they're going to connect 20 passes, however many they're going to they're going to connect. Over ninety percent of those passes, the the guys are receiving it across their body. So right there, that should tell you that's not you know that's not an accident. That that's it, it's not something that these guys are doing just by chance. Both teams are providing clear examples that receiving across the body is is something that is just you know the right thing to do, and and you can you can see that just on full display in this game time and time again by both teams, which I think is, is pretty special, but yeah. Um, I forget why I went on that little rant. I had a, I had a point and I I think I completely missed it.
1: No. Yeah. it, It allows them doing the extra work to set their bodies up, allows them to play in the least amount of touches as possible, which at the highest level is what you have to be able to do. And that's a that's a simple concept that here in America in general, our players aren't good enough at, you know, they they don't do that. And it uh, causes players to take more touches than really is needed. And that leads to turnovers.
0: I mean, you're you're on the fields more than I am now with uh, in regards to youth soccer is this, is this still a problem that you see w- with the teams that you're facing on a, on a regular basis? Are you seeing teams like, you know, they, they just don't understand this basic fundamental concept of receiving it across their body. And, and do you and your teams take advantage of this when, when you're playing somebody else?
1: Yeah, it, it's a massive problem. It's a massive problem. So like for us, when I'm telling my team, like there there's cues and pretty much, most of the teams that we play, we know that the players don't do this. And so if the opportunity is there to close them down and put pressure on them more often than not, it's either going to lead to them just launching the ball somewhere or a turnover. So yeah, in general, this is something that in American soccer, we have to be much better at, which the conversation when we're watching games should be about this kind of stuff instead of, you know, pace and, covering ground and shit like that. Like having this conversation about games and some of our media members being able to point this kind of stuff out when they're watching, you know, American soccer, that'll drive the conversation towards these things. And then maybe we become more educated and then the players are in positions where they can actually learn these concepts. But yeah, right now I would say in general, it's a problem, man. It's a big problem
0: one of the things i used to point out when i was when i was coaching my high school boys teams and my high school girls teams was let's identify the other team's oh shit player and and what i meant by that is like when when the other team when they had a player that received the ball and they look like they were saying, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Like they didn't know what they were going to do with it. So let's identify that player on the other team. And once we identify that player, that's the player that we press every time because they're either going to turn it over or they're going to launch it, or we're going to be able to take it from them, you know, um, in a very advantageous spot and and we can go kind of start an attack from there. But identifying the other teams, Oh shit. Player was like one of our, you know, key, key things. And and one of those key things was the way that the player received the ball. So a lot of times that, oh shit player ended up being an outside back because for whatever reason, coaches decided to stick some of their weakest players as outside backs. But, you know, if the ball ever went to them, a lot of times they were receiving the ball, you know, facing their own goal. They would receive the ball on the wrong foot facing their center backs. Um, They would receive the ball, and the ball would bounce five yards off their foot. So you know those tended to be like a trigger for us to go and press, which is harder to do. You know the higher and higher level that you climb, but I think that in you know in American soccer, I think it's still very easy to identify an oh shit player on on another roster. Just my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: No, like the four v one. It's interesting. You you can take. If you take a player that that the general soccer public would think is like an average player who's been doing the four v one rondo for months and months and months, and then you take um, a player that the general soccer public think is re- thinks is really good, but he hasn't done a four v one ever. You stick the two players in the same four v one, and the average player is going to look much better because that player that people think is good, doesn't have a good understanding of the basic fundamentals of how to play soccer.
0: Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a good indicator. You just throw somebody in that, in that, you know, very, very simple, basic exercise and it exposes so much. It'll, oh yeah. And people wonder why, you know, some of the best nations, some of the best clubs in the world use that on, on a daily basis. And it really makes you scratch your head and wonder why it, it's had so much resistance here in the United States, but it's, it's literally because it exposes people and people in the, in the United States, obviously just, you can say it just by the way that soccer is arranged in this country. They don't like to be exposed. So yeah, that's in my opinion. That's why it's had so much resistance in this country, but yeah. Um, what What else about this game, maybe from like a fundamental concepts or fundamental skills aspect, stuck out to you?
1: well you one of the, one of the things that I saw uh, you pointed out or highlighted on on Twitter uh, was the ability of the players to check their shoulder while while the ball is traveling to their feet you know the 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 comfort that they have to be able to, the pass has already been played to them and to be able to just check their shoulder to see to see where the pressure is or where it's coming from so they know where they can go with the ball. That very subtle thing, but very important. Another thing that probably here in America uh, we aren't quite good enough at.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think if you watch, and, and, and again, you know, part of the reason why i want to talk about these types of things is to arm people with things that they can go out and look for when they're watching their kids or when they're coaching their teams or yeah maybe they're sitting on the sofa with with their son or daughter and they're watching a game on tv you know these are the types of things that you can start to look for uh, when you're when you're watching a game and and i think i i said it to you in a text message earlier that to me, looking for these types of things like checking your shoulder, losing your man, receiving across your body, um, different uh, different ways of you know kind of breaking a, a press or things like that. This makes the game so much more exciting when you understand these types of things. When you can zoom in on a player like Isco, and you know as the ball is coming to his feet, and it's, and it's not a slow pass, and it's not coming from far away, you know from less than ten yards away, uh, a ball is being played to his feet, and he has the 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 audacity to take his eyes off the ball and he looks over his shoulder and sees Benzema standing on top of the 18. And then he has the balls to just play a, a, a little, you know, heel flick through PK's legs to to make him and, and give Benzema a clear shot on goal. Like that, that is spectacular when you look at it from 30,000 feet. But when you zoom in and you see that, you know, the camera, doesn't see any of Isco's face because his face is completely turned the other way. He's looking completely away from the ball. You know, that, that is something very, very special. And and so, you know, if you're, if you're kind of trying to figure out what to be looking for in a game like this or any type of game, actually, it's, it's these little things that can kind of just unlock so much. It's like, how did he know to how to play that pass? Well, all he did was simply check his shoulder it's something very, very simple, but it's also a very, very high level at the same time. So yeah, I don't know. I could, I could rant for 4 million hours about this, but yeah, I I just, I, I want people to kind of understand where we're coming from. Like, you know, hopefully they're able to start to see, start, yeah, start seeing these things in real games.
1: Yeah, man, it, it happened a handful of times throughout this game. This was just one of the examples. And, If he doesn't check his shoulder, he probably doesn't know that Benzema's there. And then what does he do? Maybe he tries to take three touches to relieve the pressure that is putting on him from behind, which is a pattern I see, again, at the youth fields here in America. A player in that situation doesn't check their shoulder. They get the ball. They're trying to dribble to create some sort of shooting chance on their own instead of keeping the ball moving. And that's easier to defend. You know, for a defender, a player dribbling, it's kind of you. You know what's coming. Where what Isco did, like, PK had no idea, and it makes it much harder for Barcelona to defend against.
0: But it's not just it's not just when you have the ball too. It's when you, or even when the ball's coming to you. It's it, going back to that moment where Ter Stegen played the ball, ball to Suarez all the way at midfield. It's like he, Suarez had his eyes on his defender the entire time and was just kind of just waiting for the right moment, you know, for for whoever, I, I can't remember who was on him, probably Sergio Ramos, um, you know, to just take a certain step or or take a look somewhere else before Suarez was going to make his move. So it's, it's, it's kind of like watching the defender, knowing where the defender is, and then, you know, using that, Information that you gather in that in that moment when you take your peek or, or or whatever, and and then using it to exploit the other team, which is you know very very important. And, and without that information, you don't know how to hurt the other team. You just you just don't. You don't have the in, you just don't have the information to do it. And yeah, I don't know. I could again I could harp on that for a million hours about the way that we're missing that in American soccer from. All the way from the professional level major league soccer the u.s men's national team u.s women's national team all the way down to the to the youth ranks like it's missing almost entirely in this country yeah yeah like i can't i can't think of a player on the u.s men's national team in this last set of games versus cuba and canada that was a good example of checking your shoulder of losing your man of receiving it across your body in in order to you know set up your next pass so I, I, I can't think of good examples of that.
1: Isn't it crazy, John, the difference between, you know, us covering the national team versus Barcelona, which we've now covered twice against both Madrid teams. Like, it is so different. You know, there's so many incredible moments in these Barcelona games as opposed to the national team. Like, the incredible moments are very rare and harder to find. You know, it's consistently like the wrong things that are happening
0: and it's consistently like miraculous things that are happening with with Barcelona but also Real Madrid like Real Madrid was outpossessed but every time they got the ball they still did like re- very very remarkable things so if we have this conversation again in 2020 when we are a team a US men's national team that is um, outclassed by whoever right so we i think we're already scheduled to play the Netherlands right so If we're outclassed by the netherlands and netherlands is going to dominate possession what does the u.s men's national team do with the ball when we get it do we look like um cuba playing against us where we just turn the ball back over and and then you know netherlands just dominates possession 80 80 to 20 or does does it look more like real madrid versus barcelona where you know they're able to connect 10 passes they're able to kind of you know generate some type of an attack they're they're able to have some type of a purpose every time they have the ball you know so it's two very distinct different or or two uh, very distinct um, styles right Uh, going up against a an opponent that's going to be much better than us and so that's this is a very good game again um, to to dissect just like the last game we did at Barca versus Atletico Madrid Atletico you know conceded way more possession of Barcelona but even still when they when they had the ball clear identity every single time that they had it and every time that they, they wanted to go forward it was you know the way that they wanted to do it and and I think that would be you know one thing one standard that we need to hold the US Men's National Team to in, in 2020 is you know when we get the ball what the fuck do we want to do with it it should be clear every time that we get the ball what we want to do with it
1: yeah it's cool that Halter wants to talk about possession soccer, but if we're actually gonna to start to execute it, then we should be seeing the things that we're, we're highlighting in, in Barcelona's play or Real Madrid's play. We should be starting to see those things in the national team. And as they continue to do those things and it gets better and better and better, then we're keeping the ball for longer spells. And I think our frustration stems from we aren't seeing consistently, these subtle things, fundamentals in the national team, like we do in Barcelona's play. Light years, we are light years behind that level. And once, I think once we show some sort of progress towards those things, it's like, okay, all right, well, hey, we'll give credit where it's due, but we haven't seen that. So, yeah, there's nothing good at the
0: moment. Somebody on, on Twitter earlier today mentioned. You know how lucky are these guys that they get to play this style of soccer and my it, and I'm paraphrasing I, I don't know, but he his comment had had to do with luck. Like Barcelona has like good luck that they play this way and my first reaction was like no this isn't good luck this is preparation this is you know the best players in the world that are the best players in the world for a reason because this is you know this, this is years and years and years of hard work and this is the way that the team has has set themselves up and built themselves because they want to play this way so there's no there's no luck involved and and uh, you know one of the, one of the last things actually i i want to say is if you want to if you want to compare two players a world class player versus a very, very kind of average or low level player. And and just one difference that you can easily find in any game that you watch. If you watch Suarez and, and, and the number of times per game that he loses or attempts to lose his man. And just the number of runs that this guy makes off the ball and the types of runs and, and, and the way that he's, he's, he's trying to help and, and, and not only his teammates, yeah, just know, yeah, the way he's trying to help his teammates by using his own movement. Compare that with Jossie Zardas at center forward. Jossie runs one direction at one speed, and that's it. If you ask him to change speeds or changes runs or or loses man or anything like that, it's a disaster. I, I can't think of any examples that I've seen from Jossie Zardas of him like you know faking one direction and moving the other or anything like that, and and, and having it be successful. And I think that's one clear thing that you can watch. If, if if people want to look for something again, if you want to watch a Barcelona game this weekend, you can watch Suarez and, and the amount of times that he does this. And then if you want the next men's national team game, or I don't even know what team Josie or Jossie plays for anymore. Is he still in Columbus? Um, you can I watch it. So, yeah. You can watch a Columbus crew game and you can watch Josie just one direction, one speed every single time. And if you, or if you want, you can look up Josie highlights on, on YouTube so one easy thing that you can that you can use to kind of just figure out the quality of the two players I don't know any reaction to that Joey
1: no yeah I I agree I think this is important Uh, this is the standard this is this is the standard that we should be striving for here For, for the national team in American soccer it has nothing to do with being a snob of any sort it's like hey these guys are the best the best teams in the world for the past decade or so that's what we should strive to be anything less. It's like, what are we doing? So yeah, there there's all sorts of little subtle moments throughout the game from all different positions on the field that uh, we all can be learning from here in America, whether you're a player, a coach, a fan, whatever it may be, we can all learn from it.
0: Yeah. I provided some examples on my, Twitter feed. I'll link to some of those tweets in the write up of this podcast that will be available on 343coaching.com uh, just to, to give people an example of like what to look for. What are we talking about when we mean lose your man? What are we talking about when we mean, you know, checking your shoulder, things like that? Um, I'll, so I, I'll provide some examples of that so people can can get a visual of what to actually look for or what we were talking about. And some of those examples actually include Terstegan playing the ball to the back and, and whatnot. So um, yeah, they can, if, if you're interested in looking for that or in, in seeing that, you can find that on 343coaching.com. We also have a free coaching course. If you guys want to you know, learn about these types of things and invest more time into understanding the game and, and things like that, um, it doesn't cost any money. It just, it, all it costs you is your email address. Uh, you can sign up on three, four, three coaching.com and, and go through a free course that talks about building out of the back that talks about losing your man that talks about, um, uh, offensive, uh, choreography, defensive pressure, choreography, things like that. And, and get an idea of, you know, what's actually happening, on the field on game day when, when you're watching these teams like liverpool or barcelona or man city or, or these guys play you'll have a very much you'll have a much better understanding of the game just by going through that free seven week course and of course if, if people want to go through it and and, and invest even more time and just a, a small chunk of change they can go through the the premium course which is an even deeper dive so um yeah any uh any last thoughts on on this game or, or things that, that came out in in this game to you, Joey?
1: No, I think, I think we covered it, man.
0: All right. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can sneak one more in before the new year. I don't know. Well, uh, yeah,
1: I think we can, I think we can sneak one more in.
0: I think so too. I want, I I really want us to, uh, to do a man city game or uh, yeah just just a, a, a Premier League game we wanted to do the man United man City game you got sick I was super busy so we weren't able to do that one I know we we told people that we were we were going to we had every intention to it just didn't work out but um, but yeah I have I, I think that you and I it's safe to say we, we both have every intention to to cover more games as many games as we possibly can and, and start to point out things like this you know from around the world so um, yeah that's all that's all I have for today, Joey.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's it for me too, man. Happy holidays to everybody. If we don't sneak one more in, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. The best in 2020.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. If you are interested in accelerating your development as a coach and learning more about possession-based soccer, you can visit 343coaching.com and sign up for our premium coaching membership program. That is where you will get access to video, audio, and ebook lessons that will help you reduce your trial and error time by showing you the methods that have been proven to work in the American soccer environment an ambitious coach and you want to start learning the tried and true methods that have already been proven to work in the american soccer environment you can visit 343coaching.com to learn more about our coaching programs once again that is 343coaching.com all right thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast and we will catch you next time